1: Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday time for our Zoomer squad. And if you're like me, the absolutely dismal January weather is making you think of travel, pandemic or not. Some new numbers suggest that many of us are thinking the same way and doing something about it. Nearly 750,000 Canadians returned home from somewhere else in December, and that was despite the fact that Omicron was just then at maximum havoc with our plans. And anecdotally, in my own circle, in addition to snowbirds who left a while ago, people are starting to pick up and go, despite the government's warning against non-essential travel. Now, the other side of it is an interesting detail from a retirement survey, and that says that a significant number of pre-retirees are delaying calling it quits precisely because they can't undertake travel or the other things on their bucket lists or the things they wanted to do when they did not have the pressures of daily work. What do you think? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'm joined by David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media and Chief Membership Officer at CARP. Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine, and Bill Van Gorder, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Policy Officer of CARP. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi,
2: Libby. Hi, everyone.
1: Uh, hi, baby. Uh Let us begin with David. So uh, what do you make of that? Have people just thrown up their arms saying, I'm sick of this and I'm just getting on with whatever it is that I want to do?
2: I think it's true of a lot of people. I know, uh, as you do, you mentioned, Libby, anecdotally, I also have a lot of uh, uh, people that I know who have traveled, uh, either undertaken the, their normal annual trip down to Florida, which had been postponed in previous years. They've resumed it, or they've decided, i got to just get out of here and I've got to go. So I think uh, at that level, we are seeing some action, in spite of all the stuff, Um but I don't know whether, you know, statistically it's, you know, most, some, all. I think it's a big enough number to be noticeable. But I also think there's a lot of people who are not doing that. And I don't know if any of the callers have seen this, but one of the big disincentives I've been hearing about from some of my uh, associates and friends is that it's it's fear of um, having to come back in, all the stuff they have to go through. I'm hearing really, really nightmare stories of um coming back into Canada, and people are just saying it's not worth the hassle. So it's probably a little bit of both.
1: Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, last week, uh, when we had Marissa Lennox, the former chief policy officer of CARP, she told us, her horror story of coming back, yeah, right. <laughs> with with, uh, with two very small children, uh, and uh, you know, getting sort of picked out of the line for a quote random test. Bill, what about you? What are you uh, hearing from your circle out there in the Maritimes?
3: In my circle, people are not traveling. They're disappointed. Uh, they had high hopes for. Uh, this year, and now they've been dashed or lowered. I know many people who have cancelled trips to the Caribbean and and elsewhere, and uh, it's a a real uh, conundrum uh, for them, because they want to travel, Uh, they're feeling a little bit more confident about the possibilities in the future, but doing it today, doing it this winter, is not something that's uh, willing to do, and I know in my in my personal circle, no one has followed through with travel plans that they had hoped uh, would happen at this time of year.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. A very uh, close friend of mine was really hemming and hawing, should she leave, should she go was just uh, to Florida? And then, you know, she, uh, she did it just uh, before this weekend. I think she went on Friday, and I was surprised because... I think usually, like, as as uh, David was saying, the worst part can be the airport, and she said it was fine. Peter?
4: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like Bill. Like, all, all of the people who were going to come to see me during Christmas uh, canceled. So, uh, like um i you know the Saskan says a lot of people are traveling but there are obviously people i don't know <laughs> but um you know um we we recently did a piece on on traveling during covid and um one of the factors is getting um you know uh, health and travel insurance and it is possible to get it no matter what the wave is is uh, or no matter what the latest wave is you can you can get you know covid travel insurance you have to pay a bit more but um, And you have to check the, what the, the exclusions are and what the caps are and everything. But, but you know, it is possible to get uh, travel insurance. And, and, I, and I think because it's possible, people are going, you know.
1: Well, one of the other things is we, we're having such a run on tests. And it's not just here. It's elsewhere, you know. I, uh, a number of times, my husband and I have said, boy, we really hit the sweet spot going to New York in November. And one of the the most pleasant surprises there at that point before Omicron was that on almost every street corner there were free PCR tests. Free? Yeah, we did too, just to be sure. Uh, Free, I mean, I'm sure the state was paying for it. And now in New York as well, uh, you know, line up and and try to get a test. And people are, uh, you know, they they're having difficulty meeting the retire- the requirements for getting back in, and and here you can't even get a rapid test, which I think is is just completely unreasonable. Um, the Have other side really of we've given up on that in the sense that uh, um, the
2: distribution of tests is problematic, the number of people that are getting Omicron without. Uh, you know, knowing about it or being tested for it is, uh, I think tests have become just another complicating factor that makes the whole thing look more difficult to, uh, uh, and this probably driving, and one more reason people are deciding, I can't, i got to just stay put. Those that are deciding that way, I think that, that you're right, the testing issue is one of them,
1: for well, sure. yeah, that's sort of uh, the issue this month. It seems like, you know, uh, there's an issue... <laughs> every, yeah, every month time
2: you turn around
1: <laughs> every time you turn around and what i found really really interesting david uh, was this fidelity report that i saw that actually people who had retirement plans in place are saying what the heck i'm going to keep working because i can't do what i want to do
2: that resonates completely with me uh, as what i'm seeing and reading and you know tracking but i would point out i think it's one of uh, more than more than that factor, because retirement isn't. I don't think it's a neat, clean thing. I'm all set to go, and you know, all I need to do is be able to travel, and then I'm going to execute the rest of my retirement plan. I think what's happening is that's one factor. I can't do anything anyway. But also, um, I don't know what my financial situation is. You know, a lot of people are saying, I'm very worried about inflation. Uh, I'm very worried about uh, keeping an income coming in because can I deal with the rising cost of living? And now we're going to add to it, and I, I'm sure you're going to be covering it in the weeks ahead. You know, the, the Dow Jones is down 800 points today. They're talking about a major stock market correction in response to inflation. So if I have a fixed income and I'm suddenly taking a 10 15% hit, uh, can I walk away from all of that? So I think when you add all these, uh, uncertainties together of which, uh, travel is certainly a huge one, I'm not disagreeing with the report, but I think it's one more reason to, uh, everywhere I look I see a, an issue, I better just tuck in and, and keep going for the time being. Uh, and I think that's what's motivating a lot of people.
1: Well, yeah, the the reason I was so taken by this is that it's kind of, uh, it's not unusual for people who are on the cusp of, of leaving their jobs to say, I'm not sure what my financial situation is. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how much money I have. That's kind of, uh, normal, if you know what I mean. But this, yeah. this, this business about delaying because basically they're afraid they'll be bored and they can't do what it was. You know, those things that are built up in people's heads. I've, as soon as this, I'm going to take that kind of a big trip or the next kind of a big trip. Uh, that I just found that really, really interesting. Uh,
3: well, I think I think that's dead on, Libby. As you know, I do a number of uh, retirement uh, seminars, and I and I did one uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and those were exactly the things that we were discussing online, by the way, not in person, discussing with this group who were. Uh, we're up for retirement sometime in the next uh, eight months and all of those things uh, were discussed and and you know basically people saying uh, uh, my my life is now centered around with my work if i if i'm not working all the other things that i might do join a service club go out and do volunteer work travel all those things none of those are going to be available to me right now. Uh, I might just as well stay at work because I won't have anything to do.
1: Well, exactly, exactly. And it takes, you know, it takes a lot of work setting those things up. I honestly, like I, I look at my husband in awe. He retired uh, just as the pandemic hit um, after a very long working career. And he has so much on the go. And I look at him, I mean, I'm not there yet, but I look at him and think, I can't even imagine setting that up while I'm working. <laughs> it's like, forget it.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was only making and I, I agree with you, Libby, about the travel being a, a novel, new thing. But some of the other points about, you know, the money and the, and the, uh, Uh, investments and so on, the common thread right now, of course, it's all COVID related. So there's there's unpredictable things that uh, we talked a moment ago about, is Omicron over? So when I look at the landscape, I see so many unknowns um, and so many things that I'm kind of blocked from doing or worried about doing. That if I'm on the cusp, uh, I am going to delay it. So I'm I, getting back to your original uh, point. I think it's it's absolutely understandable, I and mean, it is a it is a new phenomenon we have not seen uh, before.
1: Uh, Peter, let you were going to jump in and say something.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah, let, let me run this by you, Um So so you know, Monday morning, there's snow. You know, you have to dig yourself out. You have to drag yourself into work. That you know, that, those are days when retirement seems like like a good option, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but if everyone's working at home, you know, um, all they're doing is you know they're rolling out of bed and and going getting a cup of coffee and going to their desk maybe it doesn't seem so bad going to work. Maybe that that whole sort of drudgery of the the work day is removed.
1: Mm. And
4: people are, okay, this isn't too bad. You know, I'm going to try this out a little longer.
1: Well, I'm I'm not working from home.
4: No, nor am I.
1: (laughs) And I I think, you know, a lot of people like working from home and a lot of people uh, don't like it.
4: Yeah. But Uh, I, I wonder if it's given certain people who are sort of, 50-50 on retirement, a little bit of extra juice to to keep going. Well, yeah. And,
1: uh, I mean, you know, with working from anywhere, presumably, I know people who work from Florida. Right. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's it's all, um, you know, and then there is, uh, David, you mentioned the hit that the markets are taking. Are people sort of taking any comfort? Because the big thing for people – uh, you know, leading into this, the markets are great, but if you're on a fixed income, if you have savings that you want to keep safe, I mean, interest rates are nothing. The, does the prospect of higher interest rates make anybody that in your circle feel better, Bill? Not really, uh, short, a- short
2: value answer, value. No. Short short answer, no, because <laughs> it's we're we're in that zone of uncertainty. I think if it settles in and if we say, okay, the Fed is going to increase interest rates four times this year, which investors are hotly debating, and now I can earn more money by shifting back into, you know, uh, uh, income, interest-bearing income investments, but we're not quite there yet, but if you look at the Dow Jones and you're just looking at the headlines, you're just going to be very anxious, even if you have a relatively safe portfolio right now. And I, I'm not—I don't think our audience are, you know, playing penny stocks. And I, I, but it's just the—it's the mood of uncertainty. It's the mood of anxiety, and um, balanced against. Uh, do do I stop working? Do I enter that new world? Whoops, I can't travel anyway. Whoops, I can't do and meet friends anyway. Maybe I better just stay put through the winter. I think it's a short-term thing. It'll play itself out by the the summer and you'll know, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to retire after all. Uh, I don't think people are putting their retirement plans on hold for, you know, 10 years. (laughs) But I think there's certainly uh, so much... uh, uh, turmoil and unknown and, and, and the news is mostly negative that it's a disincentive to make a dramatic change in your
1: life. Well, and you know, it's interesting, you're talking about the uncertainty and the hit that the stock markets are taking, but the stock markets, I mean, anybody who's been invested in the stock market has, has made huge, like almost unprecedented gains the last few years. And uh, you know, it's the psychology is interesting. I, I used to be a business reporter and, you know, I would expect at, some point, what goes up must come down at least a bit. But uh, I think, you know, the psychology that you've been talking about, it's, it's, it's interesting because people get nervous and they look at the drops, but they aren't really thinking about all the money they've made in the last couple of years, Bill.
3: Yeah, Libby, you're, you're right. And, you know, when we surveyed our current members last time and asked what were the big issues that concerned them at the moment? And we thought health would be number one, and it wasn't. Number one was financial security. That's a continuing uh, uh, concern of, of older Canadians right across the, the country. And they're, they're confused by what's happening. If they, they may hear the stock market may go up. So may, even if they got uh, two or three times as much as they're, as they're now getting in terms of their investments, their savings, their bank accounts, that wouldn't come close to to uh, balancing off the 4 to 7% or more, they're saying, in the increase of uh, cost of them to living. I know the cost of living came out at around 4%, but most people look at food and other things like that that are coming in at 7%. So there's real confusion and no solace for them in the predictions about what's happening at the market at the moment. One of the things we have to remember is that... Uh, uh, older Canadians are concerned about today. Telling them something's going to be better three or five years from now doesn't resonate with them. Uh, their their issues are, are today, and they need them solved today, not four or five years from now.
1: Uh, yeah, and Peter, I mean, speaking of continued bad news, so now we're hearing, I mean, food has gone up a huge amount. And now we are hearing that because of these angry truckers, things are going to go up even more, and there might be some shortages. I, I find that whole thing, frankly, a bit puzzling. Uh, you know, I, it's hard to imagine that thousands of truckers on both sides of the border are going to give up a very lucrative income.
4: Yeah, it's hard to know in that case whether that's just posturing or, or, or whether it's actual, actually true, but it, it, is, it is obviously going to affect some part of the trucking industry, which is going to um, put further, you know, um, shortages in line, which is going to raise uh, prices of everything. So um, uh, I, I don't know, like, like uh, when, I, when I went to the grocery store this weekend, um, it seemed, you know, there was no cereal. At all. <laughs> oh,
5: really? Right,
4: yeah. Like, there's yeah. no, there's no, like, there's sort of the sugary cereals, but, but the, the sort of the healthy cereals, there, there just was none. And I, I know there's been a strike at the Kellogg's plant, and, and that's, uh, that's backed things up. But, but there, there are other things that you look around the store and you wonder, okay, is this, um, the staff is sick and they can't stock it. Is it a supply issue? Is it a trucker issue? Is it? So, so it's it all speaks to build sort of uncertainty and, and like, uh, you know, we, we, we're just sort of, we don't know what's happening. We don't, you know, is are these costs going to be embedded it now for the next few years or will we re- recover when, when the pandemic's over or, or lessen. So like it, it just, it's just, it's all creating sort of a, like an unsettling um, unease with with uh, with older Canadians for sure.
1: Well, I'm I'm glad that you talked about a shortage or something missing that you actually saw, because uh, uh, Maclean's reported today. So the, it's it's very political, with the conservatives generally blaming the liberals about it, and one MP, Melissa Lantzman, who used to be a strategic. Consultant, uh, she posted a picture of empty shelves, and then somebody spotted that that picture was actually from the UK. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, we're we're certainly seeing empty shelves here in Atlantic uh, Atlantic Canada, and it's from lack of uh, lack of supply. Of it, and I mean, really, I'm talking about half empty shelves. I'm t- talking about superstores uh, where you uh, we were in on a. On a Wednesday, and found that half half the shelves were were just empty, and most of the things we were looking for were not available.
1: Mm-hmm. Was and it these, was you know, it a staffing are issue?
3: Items, are they? No, no, it's not a staffing issue. I I checked. I have a I have a son-in-law who's a uh, a manager in that system, and and uh, uh, staffing is not the uh, the issue. The issue is product and delivery.
4: But but these are everyday items, are they, Bill?
3: These are everyday items. Yeah. yeah, these are cereals were certainly yeah uh, one of them uh, bottled uh, products uh, and uh, and juices um, even the uh, meat and uh, uh, and frozen area uh, were a, a lot less than normally are in that store on a Wednesday.
1: Hmm. hmm. I don't know. I haven't had any trouble at the grocery store. Um, I I don't uh, use too many. Prepared food. I would
3: assume that here in Atlantic Canada, because so much of our stuff does come in by uh, uh, trucks and delivered from from afar, uh, that we may be the, the canary in the coal mine when it comes to uh, uh, less available products.
1: Well, you know what? In January, we all get stuff from south of the border. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. 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 So, um, What's your take on on how does this all shake out, David? Is it, uh, you know, Bill was saying people want a solution to today. So is this is this something that's going to pass in a month or so or what?
2: Very slowly. Um, I think if you go back to the first topic uh, or the first premise, if I'm retiring, if I can make a decision to retire and I'm postponing it, so by definition, I'm still working. Now, I take a look outside at the world and I say, okay, I can't do some many of the things I want to do if I retire. Number two, the premises that have led me here, precisely because I've had such a good two-year run in the stock market, I've reached the promised land. It's now time to you know, leverage that into a retirement package, whoops, there goes 15% of my portfolio in, a, in, in since January 1, 10% probably. Will it last? Won't it Maybe it'll bounce back tomorrow. Maybe it'll bounce back in a week or two. But right now, I'm looking at that. Then I'm looking at shortages. I'm looking at higher cost of living. And I'm saying, you know, is this the time to stop the income coming in? Uh, What is my retirement going to look like for the first six months if I can't do half the stuff I've been dreaming of all these years? So it's really a drip, drip, drip of all these different points coalescing into one big moment. And the decision becomes, you know what, it's just I better hunker down and keep working and let's just wait and see how this unfolds. So I think it will, it will ease up, you're right, but I don't think it's going to be an abrupt thing. I think it'll take time to get everybody uh, a bit more relaxed and confident as to, as to, you know, what the future looks like.
1: And, you know, David, you're always talking about different cohorts of Zoomers. Like it's yeah, different yeah, to be yeah. in your 60s than in your 70s and, and so on. Bill, are you seeing different reactions in the different parts of the demo?
3: Oh, very, very much so. The older uh, in the demo, uh, the the uh, uh, more confused and concerned uh, they're, and and the more conservative they are about their their uh, actions. And uh, but that, but it is, it is moving down to the younger democratic. That snapshot I gave you of the retirement seminar I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Those were those were people in the education business who have to go to work to work. None of them are working from home and they still had the same kind of uh, concerns and and uh, uh, the concern about what's really going to happen in the future and a lack of confidence, as David said, that it's that it's all going to be fixed and cleared up quickly.
1: Peter, what's your experience?
3: Um.
1: You know, we hear from
3: readers of all
4: ages, and it, the, the one universal is David uh, says it, it's just it's just concern about the immediate future. You know, like we it, it took us two years to get into this. Um, is it going to take us two years to get out of it? More is it? You know, so uh, there's just such a uh, you know there, there's a this cloud on the horizon, and we don't know if it's going to blow away or whether it's going to linger for a bit. And, and I personally think it's going to linger for a bit because. Um, two years in you know like it, it, it you're not going to get out of it overnight you know and and the the world will open up gradually and so will economies i think
1: okay we're uh just about out of time we'll go around the virtual table and get 20 seconds from everybody uh starting with bill
3: i want to be uh positive i always want to leave people with uh uh, something positive to think of but uh, it's very difficult uh, these days people are getting more and more uh, concerned uh and very impatient with how slow recovering is is coming and i hope that maybe next week we'll be able to have better news peter yeah i'm, I'm following the
4: uh interest rate news this week the announcement coming up this later this week uh to see how much uh, it rises and, and whether the um, it's effective in fighting inflation.
2: David, last word to you. Timing is everything. I'm more of op- an optimist, but I agree that in the short term, uh, I think we're in a very much a hunker down mode and uh, stay flexible and uh, keep your eyes wide open.
1: Okay. Thank you so much to our Zoomer squad, David Kravitz, Bill Van Gorder, and Peter Mugridge. Thank Talks you, to Libby. You. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Bye-bye. Betty. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, we get these constant updates about the state of snow removal. But what about garbage? Have you had your garbage picked up lately? Possibly not. We're going to talk about that when we return.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. Well, uh, we keep getting updates about how the snow removal is going, but what about garbage pickup? Have you had your garbage picked up lately? Hasn't happened on my street. You know, I finally found a notice on the city's website, if you put the right search term in, but the responses, if you can call them that, that some of my neighbors got from 311 are annoying. And by the way, our street is clear and wide enough for trucks, though there may be a problem getting there. I don't know because no one tells us. And, uh, the one bit of good news about this is the weather. So at least the animals won't get to the garbage for now. So, uh, Give us a shout if uh, you're having trouble uh, getting your garbage picked up and getting some answers about your garbage being picked up or not. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And now let us go to Brad Ross, the chief spokesman for the city of Toronto. Brad, thank you for joining us. Hi, Libby. My pleasure. Uh, so, uh, can you tell us what is the extent of the problem?
6: Well, it it really stems from from the snow uh, that we had last Monday. You know, we had fifty five centimeters in sixteen hours, uh, more than we had in all of January of twenty nineteen when we had a storm. So, a lot of snow, as as everybody knows, and so uh, it did cause a um, a backlog in in collection last week for sure um and so you know any uh you know if anybody's garbage has not been picked up by now um we do ask them to call 311 and so that a service request can be made leave uh leave your your bins out there is no collection on mondays by the way so uh, but leave them out and and uh, we'll, we'll make an effort to uh to come around this week to collect them i think the issue is even if a street is clear um, it's the backlog getting to to those that weren't. So um, so so we're playing some catch up.
1: Well, w- what I asked you is, do you know how big the problem is? How many people, or uh, what well, percentage of people are yeah. are are, are uh, sitting there with their garbage?
6: I don't have that number at my fingertips, Libby. I'm sorry, um, but we we do know that that there is a backlog. That there are um garbage bins recycling uh and uh, uh and, and compost that have not been picked up uh as a result of of, of the snow uh, last week and and just the the conditions on the road that uh, that that causes backlog so um we will we are making every effort to uh to, to get caught up uh, and as i say if your street or your bin has not been picked up then uh, please call us so we can uh, we can get it dealt with as quickly as possible
1: I'd like to read some uh, of the responses from three one one that my neighbors shared. Um, and, uh, this is, I think partly what's annoying. So the first neighbor that called was told by the person who answered is like, what are you talking about? There's no indication that this was a problem area. Hmm. I'm sure they'll come and pick it up. That was response. Number one, uh, Response number two was, um, "Don't call." Uh, we have had too many calls so far. We're not taking anyone any more calls on this. <laughs> right. And well, uh, and and at the top of this, uh, mm-hmm. the same neighbor said, "Our Christmas tree was missed two weeks ago after four conversations." um with 311 the tree is still sitting there. So I uh, I don't know that the problem is just the snow. I mean to me I would I after a few times that I tried to call 311 I just don't do it anymore. Uh mm. is 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 that kind of a response. Those responses to me are you know a problem. I understand snow but yeah.
6: So, Libby, me, I mean, first, let me just say that we do endeavor to obviously provide uh, the, the excellent customer service uh, at, at all times. Uh, we did, of course, get a lot of calls last week about the snow and uh, and service requests for uh, sidewalks or roads that may have been missed, uh, as well as garbage. And so uh, I think, you know, what, what I can tell your listeners and tell you is that, um, the snow absolutely was the the factor in uh, in this pickup and this collection uh and that we're making every effort to to get caught up on those and that that were missed and uh, uh you know please call a 311 Libby I mean uh no. you know I, I I can't speak for specific uh you know calls that may have occurred but but I can assure you that uh that that that's how we are able to, to you know, fix things and and correct uh, issues or you know streets as the case may be. Uh, in that uh, you know, we you know, we get thousands of calls a day, and and we want to make sure that we're addressing each one professionally at all times.
1: Okay, maybe you want to speak to them about that. Is there uh, any I'll pass indication? I'll feedback on for sure. <laughs> Is there any indication of how long it should take to clear this up? Uh, in
6: terms of. Garbage collection—it should have been
1: cleared up by now. But I, I grant you that there
6: may no. have been uh, some that have been missed. So if you're telling me that that's the case? Then uh, please let us know by calling 311, so we can make sure we get to it. There is collection this week, uh, as scheduled, Tuesday to Friday, and so uh, we'll be we'll be making the rounds again this week. And anything that was missed from last week, please let us know, so we can uh, we can address those. There are absolutely going to be pockets here and there that get missed in a big city like this. So we'll. We'll make every effort to, uh, to to get that caught up and uh, and you know get 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 going on the on the rest of the uh, the collection routes this week and by picking up those others as well. So it, it's going to be a busy couple of days, uh, several more days of, of snow removal uh, across the city. It, uh, it it is not something unfortunately, that can happen as quickly as as we all might like.
1: Okay, well, I hope my neighbors will call three <laughs> I'm I not going to do it. Uh, right. But uh, thanks for that, and let's hope it does get cleared up before Indeed. it gets warmer and uh, the raccoons have a good time with it.
6: <laughs> okay. Thanks for the opportunity. To okay,
1: me. thank you, Brad. Appreciate your time. Okay. He's a nice guy. He's taking the flack for that. Um, we're going to take another break, and When we come back, we're talking about a a bad situation in a condo. And we reported about this in our news. It's a condo at Jane and Finch and residents there, some on fixed income, got a very short notice for a very big assessment. To cover, uh, repairs and other things. And, um, that's what can happen when you're in a condo. We're going to talk about that when we come back. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. we will be back on the other side of the break.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. I now want to highlight a terrible situation that some condo owners are facing in the Jane Finch neighborhood. And it's also a bit of a cautionary tale for Zoomers who see moving to a condo as a stress-free option when they want to divest a lot of maintenance and security. They want to be able to just... Close the door and go away if that works out for them. Anyway, York Condominium Corporation number 82 owns this building and it is demanding that the condo owning residents pay millions in repairs. The corporation also has a debt of $9 million and sent out a letter to residents giving them only 15 days. To pay for a special assessment, ranging between thirty thousand dollars and forty-two thousand dollars five hundred per unit, depending on the size, plus an additional eight hundred for monthly maintenance fees. Now, under Ontario's condominium act, the corporation has the power to demand that all residents pay for such expenses, regardless of how costly it gets, and many of the owners affected our older people on fixed income. Take a listen. We don't have a superintendent. We don't have security. We don't have cleaning staff. It was very hard to get the loan. In fact, I've taken something that I don't know how I'm going to pay back because the interest is so high. Well, that was resident and condo owner Wendy Thomas, and she took out a high interest loan to make that payment because otherwise the condo corporation can put a lien on your property and sell it. Um, and I think this is a bit of a cautionary tale. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 740 I know that a lot of our listeners live in condos and of course there's some good ones, some not so good ones. And now I'm joined by Jonathan Fine, a lawyer with Lash Condo Law in Toronto. Hi Jonathan. Hello Libby, how are you and thank you for having me today. Okay, thank you for coming on. So uh, you're saying that this is one of the worst cases you've ever seen.
7: It is. It is a, a, a terrible uh, case and it's, it's a shame for all the people that live there. Uh,
1: so how come it got to this point that uh, if this corporation has a nine million dollar debt, they're, they're sending out a lever- letter giving people 15 days to pay?
7: Well, they need the money. And uh, it's, you know, it's not a we-they situation. I, I think that, you know, sometimes um, condo owners may feel that it's a we-they situation, but the condo owners own the building. And where does a condominium corporation get money from when it has debts to pay? It gets it from the unit unit owners. And the unit owners, by law, must pay and contribute to the common expenses. And if they don't pay, the condo can lean and sell the unit. And, and that's, you know, what's happening and what's going to happen for some of the people here, unfortunately.
1: Well, um but again, how often have you seen a big bill like this? I mean, it, it sounds like the residents weren't, they weren't aware that first of all, there was a $9 million debt being run up.
7: Well, I think, I think they were aware and, and, um, you know, I I think that um, maybe uh, people just close their eyes to it. You, you don't see it that often. But, I mean, many years ago, I'm thinking 20 years ago, uh, and I'm thinking about a, a condominium at Avenue Road in St. Clair in the middle of Toronto, and unit owners there had a $75,000 unit special assessment. So it does happen. It's not um, usual to see... These types of numbers, but it does happen. But in this case, I mean, this building is in deplorable condition, and the judge—maybe uh, you've seen the the judgment that came out recently—but the judge said that urgent rep- repairs are required for health and health and safety reasons. Well, you know, uh, if you remember that condo that that uh, collapsed in, in Miami, place, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that is is what. I took from the judge's uh, reasons that maybe this condo is that bad at this point. So there's no discussing it. Money is required, and it's got to come from somewhere. Unfortunately, and mm-hmm. that's the harsh reality. Hard mm-hmm. to say.
1: L- let's get back to that. I mean, people will remember that horrible story about the condo collapse in Miami, and it turned out that there were engineers reports about urgent repairs that required millions of dollars and uh, didn't happen. Residents fought the assessment. Uh, so are most people uh, aware that, you know, that the extent to which they can be on the hook for these things when they get into a condo?
7: Well, they're deemed to be aware because that's the, the law Um and, uh, when they, when you buy a condo, your lawyer should point these things out to you, what your rights and obligations are. Whether the lawyer does a good job or not, or whether the people pay attention because they're more con- concerned about decorating the unit as opposed to what's going to happen down the, down the road, I don't know. I can't say.
1: Let's take a call from Kate in Toronto. Hello, Kate. Hi, Libby. Thank you. I was a condo owner,
5: and I got out of it so fast because I found mostly the
6: board was senior seniors who didn't want to spend any money on repairs. And when we got a bill for over a million dollars for the garage and the tennis courts, everybody voted against it. And I was appalled, and I could see that this is the way the building was going to be run by people who
5: really um, were not thinking long-term on everybody's behalf. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. If you need to do repairs,
6: they must be done. That's my comment. Thank you. Okay.
7: Well, you know, that's that's an interesting call, and um, that's, unfortunately, I, I see that happen quite a bit, where... People um, are penny wise, but pound foolish. And sometime the, sometimes the directors don't want to put their hands in their pocket because they don't want to disappoint their neighbors or maybe they, they don't have the money. And so they don't, they don't raise the common expenses. They don't, don't do the repairs that are required. And then you get into a situation like uh, Kate uh, experienced.
1: Well, let's take a call from Ingrid in Thornhill. Hello, Ingrid. Hi, Libby. Uh, thank you
5: for taking my call. I just want to say, um, I just moved into a condo uh, last April, so I'm pretty new to this whole uh, lifestyle. And for the mer- most part, it's great. But what happened when we, um, before we took possession of the condo, the lawyer involved did like, um, I can't remember what it's called, but they do a check to see that there's money in the kitty, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my building does repairs all the time. It doesn't cost us extra because we checked and they have the extra money in, in the fund. Mm -hmm. So I don't know That's something, um, and this whole thing with the Florida thing, like we, on our board, we have someone that's actually worked in construction and knows a little bit about foundation issues because my building is like 30 years old. So, um, they're, they're really actually pretty good here. But we did like a thorough check before we moved in to make sure it was okay.
1: Well, thank you for that. I'm glad it's working out for you, Ingrid. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. And my mom lived in a condo, but they didn't have like the kitty thing. She was at, uh, Maine and Danforth or, um, uh, Victoria Park and Danforth. And, uh, they were always upping like the maintenance and then they had to fix the elevators and that was more additional fees, you know. That they were charging the tenants, but that's so far that's not happened for me. Okay. Glad to let, hear it.
7: Let me let me let Diligent, me in a when
1: you before you Sorry, go ahead, Jonathan.
7: Um let me just say that um, you know, for television radio, um the extreme uh cases uh make the news. But in my experience, the majority of condominiums in uh in the Toronto area in the GTA area are well run. And so we only, we're we only talking about the outliers here. But one of the things that condos are required to uh, do is, is do what's called a reserve fund study, and they have to update it every three years. What happens is an engineer looks at all of the uh, portions of the building and predicts when they will be repaired or replaced, and then how much it will cost at that time to to do that. And I think that this was was what this lady was talking about because what's created is called a a reserve fund. And that is really a fund to put away for a rainy day, as it were, when the building needs to be uh, repaired or replaced. And so most uh, condominiums are um, properly managed and have a good reserve fund. Sometimes they don't. And that's when you run into trouble.
1: Okay. I'd like to give the numbers out again if uh, you own or live in a condo and either you've had a good experience or a bad experience. In terms of assessments uh for repairs, is the building kept up? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm talking to condo lawyer Jonathan Fine. And Jonathan, can you just... Explain the relationship, the board of the condo, the condo corporation, who makes the decisions, do the decisions stick, who sues who?
7: Well, um, the, uh, the board of directors um, is uh, elected by the unit owners. And the board of directors are elected to carry out the affairs of the condominium, which means look after the financial aspects and the, the uh, building repair and maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, with uh, and and so everything is in the control of the board of directors. There are some safeguards that if the board of directors, uh, in the opinion of the unit owners, is doing a bad job, then the the unit owners can vote to remove the board of directors if if a 51 percent of the unit owners agree or a majority agrees um, and put in a new board but generally speaking it's the uh, it's the board of directors that makes all the decisions now the board has certain respo- responsibilities they have to act reasonably they have to act in good faith etc cetera, etc cetera. and um, so that's how that works i i hope that explains what you're what you wanted to know
1: Right, but um, does every is is there a threshold for which decisions actually go to a vote by the unit holders? There,
7: there are some. There are some decisions that go to a vote um, for the unit owners, and uh, that's set out um, in certain sections of the Condominium Act, but not that many. Most of the decisions um, revolving around a condominium corporation um, uh, are carried out by the board of directors in the ordinary course of business.
1: So, why did this particular thing go to court?
7: Well, one uh, is is, as I read the case, one of the unit owners. which was a, a development uh, corporation called Jasper Developments Corporation, was was unhappy um, with um, the special assessment and uh, was uh, objecting to it on some technical grounds. Um, but um, like I said before, uh, the judge came to the conclusion that the, the building was such an deplorable state and was in urgent need of these repairs for uh, for health and safety reasons, but he, he uh, dismissed the case of uh, Jasper Developments.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Linda in Scarborough. Hi, Linda. Oh, hi, Libby. Um, I'm
5: just calling. I actually do live in a condo myself, but the reason I'm calling is that uh, my son lives in a condo at 3231 Kingston Road in Scarborough. And he was told that um, even though there was money in the reserve fund, that they, uh, the owners are responsible to come up uh, with quite large sums of money to repair the windows. For his unit, it's uh, one bedroom plus, and apparently it's about $25,000, wow. which apparently he can pay over a five-year period. But at this point, he's thinking about trying to sell it.
1: Yeah, uh, I certainly can understand that, and and, uh, thanks, Linda, for your call. It's a tragic situation, though, where you have older people on fixed incomes uh, taking out high-interest loans. I mean, Wendy Thomas saying, point blank, she has no idea how she's going to pay it back, and she could be, you know, out on the street.
7: It is is a very, very uh, sad situation, but... You know, Libby, um, I, I'm not too popular when I say this, but it is the reality and the harsh reality of home ownership is that sometimes people can't afford to live in their homes. And it happens all the time. And it's not just in, uh, let's say, low income situations, but it happens in affluent areas of the city as well. So it's, uh, it's tragic. It's really tragic, but it goes on all, all, all the time.
1: Is there any kind of uh, recourse or remedy for an owner like Wendy?
7: Well, you know here's the problem. The problem is money is is required right now. So how is the condo going to get the money either by a special assessment or perhaps by a loan? But you're going to have to find a letter, a lender rather, who's going to uh, loan money and then you'll have to pay a, a big interest rate. Down the road, it may be that the reason for all this is that somebody was negligent. That is, they didn't do something they were supposed to do. But trying to get a judgment from a court against somebody for negligence takes time, it takes money, it takes a lawyer, um, you have to pay the lawyer, and then even after you get a judgment, you still have to try to collect it because maybe the person went bankrupt. So it's uh, it's it's not something that uh, there's no recourse right now.
1: OK, we are uh, almost out of time. What would you like to leave us with on this case? And is it, uh, is it over or is there uh, do you expect any any ramifications from this?
7: Well, I, I think that. Um, you know, they, they did take a vote. I mean, one of the things that was open to people or this condo was selling the, the property and they did put that to a vote and they couldn't get enough uh, people to agree to sell the property. So as the judge said, um, the special assessment was the only feasible option and they had to go with it with a special assessment. And, um, you know, it's going to be bad for some people, and hopefully for some people, uh, enough money will be collected so that the building can, can be put back in, in good shape. Time okay. will tell.
1: Okay. Jonathan Fine, thanks for being with us.
7: Thank you, Libby. It was a pleasure.
1: Okay. And people, if you couldn't get through on this issue of living in a condo, Free For All Friday coming up at the end of the week. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening
0: to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.